0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Kratom Sobriety Podcast. It's Decima. I'm here with Charlie today. This is episode 34. And this week, Jacob is going to be interviewing Zach.
1: Right before we hopped on, I just heard that Joey Talks, who's this big uh, personality on YouTube around Kratom, he's actually a Kratom consultant, has quit Kratom.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. he At one point said he was using like 80 grams a day. And then the last two or three years, he had stabilized on 20 to 25 grams. But he described a really difficult withdrawal process and that it was hard to quit, like many of us experience. And I have a lot of respect for him to being honest about it. And I'm trying to demean him in any way. But I just think it just speaks to the nature of this substance.
0: Absolutely. And you know what, I'm with you. I have so much respect for him for speaking his truth, even though, you know, I've watched a lot of his videos too. And, and even though he has been, I would say leaning on the side of Pro Kratom, he has been pretty open and vocal about that there are some negative side effects. So, hey, if you're listening out there, Joey, we're rooting for you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we're going to tackle a subject today, California Sober. And, you know, off the bat, you know, our podcast, were harm reduction positive, Um, even to the extent that some people using Kratom, as much as we focus on the downsides, might be appropriate for some people. But there might actually be better options than using Kratom as, you know, as a harm reducer. You know, it is dangerous to, you know, buy drugs off the street, steal pills, you know, share needles. Or drinking a couple liters of booze a day can be really bad, too. So in some cases, Kratom might be a safer option, but there might be better options than Kratom. And one, I would think, would be smoking pot. And and you can also like get fentanyl testing strips. You can get safe, clean needles. You can try medicated-assistant treatment. So I would lean on Kratom as harm reduction as a last resort.
0: Yeah, sure, Charlie. I actually... Just, to, you know, clarify because California sober was a new term for me. Okay. I had heard it a couple of times and I wasn't even really sure what it meant until I became California sober. And so anybody that's listening that doesn't know what that means, that means basically that you have quit everything but pot, but marijuana, cannabis. You still use cannabis. A lot of people do see cannabis as a medicine. You know, it is medically you know legal in a lot of states and people you know they actually have prescriptions for this so it is a a common term i'm learning within the recovery community cali sober some people say if you're cali sober you're not sober um so i guess that's kind of why i wanted to talk about it a little bit today just to let people know there is no right or wrong way
1: to do this i think there's and i don't think this was intended when the 12 step model was designed a hundred years ago it was you know, a depression era, upper middle-class white men design, but there's some, I think there's two flaws in it that help people stay sober, but also have some unintended consequences. One is this thing that to be sober, you have to be clean from everything and, and that would include pot. And I think some people are able to use pot and it doesn't affect their lives. You know, I know other people though, that- this guy in my A, meaning every time he would smoke a joint, he would end up in a hotel smoking crack and with sex workers. Oh, yeah. now, it's not, a, it's not an escalator kind of drug for everybody. I don't believe in the gateway drug, but, and then I think the other thing wrong with the 12 step model is like you lose all your time. If you take one smoke or drink a beer, you know, I think counting days is good, but you know, in the harm reduction model, any day you're sober, that's good. And if you're. Clean from the harmful stuff.
0: We have to remember that everybody is in recovery for different reasons. We are not all there trying to recover from the same things. We're not all trying to quit the same things for the same reasons even. For me personally, I can speak on reason why I continue to use cannabis and I still see myself as sober. Because I have, as far as being a gateway drug, I'll be honest, I can neither confirm nor deny it because it's all a haze. (laughs) We don't remember... But it was one of the first things that I ever used in my life. I'm not going to lie was marijuana. I've been using it for so long that it's my, my comfort zone. I will say it's never caused me any kind of issues in my life. I have never spent money on it. I shouldn't spend. Surely I could have spent the money on something else. We always can with habits. But as far as like spending, you know, money that's set aside for a bill, I haven't messed up relationships over it, things like that. But I will say that I am at a point now in my sobriety that I do think about it a lot. Like, am I outgrowing it? Do I need it? Do I depend on it, you know, as a mood altering? Because we can't deny it is mood altering or we wouldn't do it. So it's definitely, I can see how it can be not only a debate between people within the community, but even within ourselves, you know, we debate it. So it's definitely something that we deserves attention. And I just really people to understand that you're still sober. It's nobody, it's not up to anybody but yourself to take your inventory. You don't answer to anybody about your sobriety but yourself. So if you feel that your life is better, you know, and you're still smoking marijuana or you even still drink alcohol or whatever, but your problem was with something else, you're still winning, in my opinion.
1: I agree. Yeah, just to be transparent about my marijuana use, you know, in my state, it was illegal, for up until two or three years ago and I, but I used it a lot for about three years in college. But it just eventually made me I felt paranoid and anxious and I just stopped taking it on my own. And so when I quit creative in March, the first month I did some edibles for sleeping because I just I could not sleep with the withdrawal symptoms. I found that helpful. Then I quit for a couple of months and then the summer I went to a concert and somebody passed me a joint and I smoked and it didn't lead me back to anything else. Um, and then probably about 10 episodes you might have heard after Fritz talked about um he inspired me to get back into the 12 steps again. For like two months, I went, I was going to AA meetings, I got a new sponsor, and I started working the steps. And then sometime this fall I had a family member die, and I've smoked a couple joints since then. And so I'm still aspiring. To be a 100% clean because I think that's the best for me. I do think, you know, doing Kratom would be a disaster and smoking pot is not a disaster. And when I smoke pot, I have no withdrawal symptoms, no overspending.
0: The no withdrawal symptoms is a big one. It yeah. actually just became legal in my state as well. And it's funny okay. because I'm joking about the fact that it finally became legal after all these years. And I'm considering quitting, but it has become, you know, marijuana has become so mainstream now. Would you believe I actually took a drug test for a job recently and they tested for everything but weed. And I was like, yeah. I was so impressed. Like, so it's definitely something to consider.
1: And that's the other thing is I've always been able to quit pot, like on a dime, without any problems, partly because I don't like the effects. It makes me anxious. And you're not a big fan of the word harm reduction as terminology. Now, there's a common widespread acceptance of that term, and everybody kind of in addiction knows about it.
0: All right. Let me, I just want to be clear that I'm, I'm a huge fan of harm reduction. I'm just not a fan of the term. And the reason why is I'm a big believer in thoughts become things. We speak things into existence and really putting the positive spin first. Because when we say harm reduction, to me, it sounds like, well, first of all, the word harm, that's front and center. It's getting all the attention, but it's like harm reduction to me sounds like Oh, well, at least you're not doing these other things. When really it, yeah, it is harm reduction, but it's just the opposite of that. Like, hey, we are bettering our lives. What's the opposite of reduction?
1: Life Um, enhancer.
0: Exactly. Um, Yeah, affirming something like absolutely just thinking, I want to start a movement to change that.
1: (laughs) I mean, one person's drug is another person's medicine.
0: True, true. Absolutely. And don't let anybody tell you if you're clean and sober. That's nobody's place but your own to tell. Yeah. You.
1: Hey there. Before we play the interview, just a warning. Zach's audio file has an echo in it. Despite a lot of tinkering, I can't quite get it out. So be aware it might be sound better on external speakers than headphones.
2: Hey, everybody. This is Jacob. And today on the podcast, we have Zach. Zach, how are you doing today?
3: Doing really well. Thanks for having me, Jake.
2: You're welcome. We're glad to have you here to chat with us today. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? How would you introduce yourself to a stranger you met on the street? You know, like how old you are? What do you do for work? All that, all that fun stuff. It sounds like you, you got maybe a, a little one in the background there, too. So
3: Yeah, I do. I do. So nice. 39 years old. Um live in a suburb of Minneapolis, Minnesota. We have a blended family. So my wife and I are both on our second marriages. We brought five boys combined from our first marriages. And now we have a little one that you hear in the background Hopefully okay. that gets edited out. He's 11 months. And then we have another one due in March. So we'll have seven boys come March. So we're building a basketball team. I would say we've built a basketball team at this point. Now we have big yeah. players.
2: Yeah, you already have two alternates, if I remember correctly. Yes, um, that's yes. that's pretty good. Uh, wow, that's <laughs> I cannot imagine having seven boys. Wow, my brother has three boys. I don't, I don't have kids, and I don't. He seems stressed, so I can only imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, it takes a unique type for sure. I bet. Well, you seem uh, really thrilled about it, so that's awesome. That's the kind of parent you want to have with seven boys. Um, Thank you. Well, why don't you tell me just a little bit about? Your your absence date from kratom was the last time you 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 had any?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I had kratom last on September 25th was my quit date, and looking at my app here, 44 days is today.
2: Wow, that's awesome! 44 days, congratulations. Awesome. already a month. Pretty soon you'll you'll have two. So, how did you first find out about kratom, and and where did you you first first use it? You know, how'd you come to, to start using it?
3: Yeah, it was on a podcast. I've thought about this a lot. I think it was on a Joe Rogan podcast, but it might have been on another, you know, fitness type podcast. Uh, I'm an athlete, you know, so I've, I've listened to all sorts of podcasts, but I've often listened to, you know, fitness related podcasts at different recovery bouts. And I was honestly listening at that time, not looking for, you know, any type of drug or anything like that. I was in for some kind of like recovery tool like a vitamin yeah. of some sorts and I'd never heard never of Kratom or, or maybe seen it somewhere before. Didn't know anything about it. And, uh, the podcast that I listened to, which I, again, I don't remember exactly which one it was. There was no negativity about it. It was all, um, the positive side effects and probably a normie was, if it was Joe Rogan, I think from what I know, he's a normie, you know, he, he seems to use some of these things responsibly. He has extreme discipline. And so it was talked about in a healthy way. And that was kind of my introduction to it. And I saw it in a head shop at that time. I was still chewing tobacco. So I was going into a tobacco head shop. You know, I was like a daily user of tobacco. Mm-hmm. And I saw it in there, I think, and and tried it in the pill form first, which for me had no psychoactive, you know, reaction. I was just using it for a fitness tool. Wasn't even looking for that. And then eventually the shopkeeper asked me if, if I wanted to try one of the shots. Um, okay and that's kind of where that journey started so that's how the journey started
2: yeah i um i've been told in or i've read it somewhere or maybe it was even on this one of these podcast episodes that in the workout community kratom can be really big it's like either a like before substance to take to kind of like motivate you give you energy or also a recovery substance or even both for some people i only did that a couple times when i was taking shots and i was doing this this program called Orange Theory Fitness, which is like sort yeah. of like it's kind of like CrossFit, but it's like a little more um, put together. Anyways, it was really, really intense interval style workout. And I, I almost threw up everywhere, <laughs> so I couldn't do it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I definitely yeah. when I got onto the shots and I would work out, it was not at the levels for me. You know, I more power to people that kept that up. You know, when I would go on runs and stuff, it was nowhere near my capacity because I just didn't feel I felt diminished. Yeah, and I felt good. Right. Like the high of Kratom. And motivated, but I, you know, my heart felt a little weird at times. And yeah, I know I felt like if I pushed myself, I would end up doing what you talked about. And I can't imagine an Orange Theory workout because I've done those and I would not try to do those on those shots.
2: It was, it was a mistake to say the least, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm here to tell the, tell the tale. <laughs> um, all right. So I also had a similar experience as you when I did my, inter- my first interview with Charlie a while back. He had, he had asked me about my first experience and it was similar. I was like, I bought some at the head shop and I took a couple capsules and I don't think it did anything. And I just kind of put it on a shelf and forgot about it. How long did it kind of take you to to get from progression of, you know, using the, the capsules with limited or no psychoactive effect as, as kind of a supplement to progressing into to using the shots? And then what did that kind of progression look like? <laughs>
3: Yeah, it uh, was it was not very long at all, if I remember correctly. And it was it was probably about a year and a half ago. Uh, and I really I was really taking the, and I don't remember what the concentrate of the pills or anything, it was very short lived with those. Like I said, it, I was simply taking it as a um, nutritional, nutritional recovery, you know, I was not looking for a high or anything like that. And I had gotten a little shopkeeper the shop. because I went in there pretty much every day for a tin of chew. And okay. at some point they had seen that I'd bought pill version of Kratom. And I still remember this clearly. I remember him saying to me, have you ever heard of these shots? shots. You know, the shots version of Kratom. And I said, no, I haven't. You know, I what's that? And he showed me all you know, the little OPMS black or whatever. And he said, he said you would like this. And as, a, as someone that's been in the recovery community for a while, I knew immediately, you know, what he was talking about. Although I wasn't using at the time, I'll say I wasn't in recovery. So I, my guard was down mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and so I, I, bought I bought one or whatever, however, I think about one or two that day and tasted, tasted like shit. And I almost threw up from that the first time. I remember being just surprised by the, the taste. taste, but um, almost immediately I remember because I have the ivory in my background, I remember thinking, oh boy, we're in trouble because I could not believe that I found something that gave me that effect at a head shop legally. Uh, and I knew right I knew then and right there, there that I was, I was in trouble with it. So,
2: yeah. I had a, not exactly the same experience, but similar. I um I was going into a shop. I used to live in, in Boston and I was working there at the time. And I remember I left work and I was about to get on the subway and I was going to, I just was walking by a smoke shop too. And I had wanted to go in because I had, by that point I had started taking Kratom kind of, I would say recreationally and sparingly, like once every couple of weeks. But I was like, oh, I'll, maybe I'll get some more since I didn't, I didn't have any at the time. And similarly, the guy was like, "Oh, you should have you ever tried these? You should try this. I think it was a opium gold shot, if I remember correctly." And I was like, "No." And he was like, "Well, it's twenty dollars." I was like, "Oh my god, that's a lot of money." He's like, "But it's worth it. It's really, it's really worth it. You should, you should try one." And I was like, "All right, I'll give it a try." And I kind of had the same feeling, although I'd be lying to you if I said I, um, like, I, I knew in the back of my mind because I also have a background in recovery that, like, yeah, it was, if it was actually doing that, then there was probably some problems with it because I also have a bit of a history with opiates too, but unfortunately I kind of suppressed that and just kind of was like, well, you know, they, as far as I can tell, it's not really addictive. So how bad could it be? (laughs) Yeah, Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so have a history of struggling with other substances as well. It sounds like.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, back to when I was 17, I'm 39 now I knew, or I know looking back the first time I tried weed and alcohol, you know, I used it addictively, you know, and I learned mm-hmm. to, to hide it. I came from a, a strict background, you know, parents that I, that obviously would not be okay with, and there's a lot of expectations in my household for my sister and I. So I learned very quickly, very quickly probably from probably. the first use, how to yeah. use and then pretend not to be under the influence, you know, the first mm-hmm. drinks that I took, the first times that I smoked, and I still I remember, remember that within a week, and I had always, always been, been, you know, a pretty high-performing student and an athlete. Within a week, I was finding ways to get it myself, finding ways to hide it, finding ways to go to school, you know, and that's carried through through my whole addiction. You know, I spent so much time getting high, getting drunk or whatever it is, and then pretending not to be. And that's an exhausting place to be. You know, it just seems like I've surrounded my life and, you know, whether it's for school or work or the relationships I've been in, you know, it's not been okay for me to use the way that I want to use. So I use the way I want to use and then I hide it. But yeah, I yeah. advanced into, uh, you know, college, barely graduated, you know, because I kind of had some freedom for the first mm-hmm. time and just kind of seize, get degrees attitude. Uh, and then after college, got introduced to some harder, you know, college was just kind of weed and alcohol more, a lot yeah. of it, pretty much every day. And then post-college, got introduced to cocaine and ecstasy. And, and then pretty much, you know, through my 20s, uh, I tried everything, you know, I tried Opiates, pills. I tried, did doctor shopping for a while. I, like I said, ecstasy at one point. Some heroin came into the mix, uh, and then the treatment started. You know, I think I've been to about eight treatments overall. Oh, wow. Three times inpatient. Hazelton is in Minnesota, about an hour okay. away. Uh, so I've been there three times. I don't know if there's a hall of fame there. I don't want to be on it, but uh, yeah, that's the. <laughs> it might it's... be honorable mention at this point or something. I'm not sure. So.
2: Okay. Yeah. Thanks for, um, for, for sharing that. We have, we have quite a lot of similarities. I am two years older than you, but I also like the first time I drank when I was like 16 or 17, I just remember being like, this is, this is, this is the feeling that I, that I want. And it was kind of on from there. My parents weren't super strict uh, and they were pretty busy. So like I could get away with a lot. It wasn't until I, um, but that also like, I don't know by the time I got to college I was like I I did so much nonsensical stupid shit in high school that I was kind of mellowed out a little bit for a little while so like I was able to get through that kind of with my head on my shoulders I would say but ever since like then when I was in relationships or when I had like roommates when I was in my 20s living in the city I I got really good at hiding it too and I just remember um, when I finally like truly had enough with drinking and using in my mid-30s when I told my wife she was like I don't know how I didn't Didn't notice this, and I was like, "Well, it's because I'm, you know, I'm good at, I'm good at what I do." (laughs) Yeah, I don't mean that in like a proud way. I was just like, I was, I was really good at hiding it and pretending everything was okay when it wasn't. But you started with the capsules, and eventually went into the store, tried a shot, and. Is, is that when Kratom started to become a problem for you or did it kind of further ramp up and, th- and then become a problem? Tell me a little bit about, you know, the, the progression there into it ultimately uh, starting to, to f- become truly a problem for you. Yeah, so yeah, if so
3: that was, like I said, the timelines are always a little fuzzy for me. If that was roughly a year and a half ago, the first time I tried a shot and I knew in that parking lot that day that it was going to be a problem, a problem because problem. it was something that I could that go I and could get, get legally, legally um, mm-hmm. and I was already starting to... Uh, um, thought process of how I was going to, you know, cover it up with my wife and yeah. I, I shoot at the time. So there was going to be an ability to have charges just, for a tobacco, tobacco shop. Job. Um, which at the time I was thinking own. through how expensive these things are. Right. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was going to be, a, it was going to be harder than I thought at the time, but mostly it was that I don't have to doctor shop. It has an opiate like feel, and I don't have to go in a back alley to get it. I can go and legally get it. Uh, and I just yeah, couldn't I just, believe that that was high that I could obtain, uh, in that way i guess you know i guess i can remember remember different different points in my life life, seeking out out a legal high high. and not Mm -hmm. being able to find one and this just kind of fell into my lap and so it was um immediate everyday use at that point it was just it was just you know one shot a day in the beginning i remember like the virgin um you know my virgin system with kratom it was enough to last the whole day you know when i didn't have Psychological, psychological and the physical cravings, you know, that was fine. Mm-hmm. You know, if I took it, you know, mid morning or midday, that would, that would be fine. fine. I don't know I don't exactly know. how long that lasted, That's but obviously it eventually escalated. To, you know, if, well, if one's good, then why not have two, you know, and uh, start, in the, start in the morning and, and then I would then time I would it out. And you know, I always up. seemed to I remember having a five hour rule with myself like I'm going to spread them out five hours apart. And I would, I would you know, when I'm fine. using, I'm very like, it's consuming me. Yeah, I'm thinking about yeah. when's the next use coming. And that's probably, probably me like fooling myself that I'm doing it safely or something. Cause I didn't read I didn't the, the five hour thing anywhere. It was just a, a thought process. I put on myself and that ended up obviously changing and uh, going away anyways, you know, as I evolved into the addiction with it. So.
2: I think, um, at least from my understanding, like when you, when you put like rules in place, that's a classic telltale sign of, of an addiction problem. I, I did that too. I, I remember I used to, um, used to make sure that I would time it so like I could, take my first shot of the day in the morning before I eat breakfast, but also and like make sure I had enough time to do that and then have coffee like two hours later. So that was like wearing off at the time. I was going to take the next one. It was a whole kind of crazy thought process, but yeah, it does become all consuming and just, you know, takes over your, your whole life eventually. Um, just yep. like any, any other drug, at least that was my experience. I, I, I think the um, like you said, the the ability to obtain it at a store was was rather unique. I was I was kind of shocked myself. I was like, I can't believe that um, you know you could just come in here and, and, and get this and basically feel like you took a
3: ton of boxy cotton. <laughs> yeah to be honest. I mean in the beginning, I've heard you know listening to the podcast uh, episodes yeah, so. through the last few months. Um, really from when I started to get clean 44 days ago, I remember listening to it in the very beginning and all the way through. It felt like the limitless bill to me, you know, like in the beginning, yeah. it was, um, it was like a cocaine and opiate mixture. You know, and I'm in sales. I own an insurance agency here in Minnesota. And so okay. in the beginning, and I've heard this story told so many times, uh, my work production was elevated. And it was like, well, this is double win, you know, even though in the back of my head, I knew what was, I know that that's how so, drugs can react to me at first. And then mm-hmm. the downfall is coming. But, You know, when I'm in active addiction like that and something's feeling good and and new and exciting and I'm performing, you know, so at least in the work sense in the beginning. So,
2: yeah, I uh, exactly you said, I think all the probably all the guests I've talked to have said the same thing that like it was it was super helpful from a productivity perspective. And the other thing that's weird about freedom is like, unlike, you know, alcohol or opiates or I don't know, not maybe not stimulants, but at least those uh, several other categories of drugs, maybe benzos, like if you take enough, right, you get to a point where you're kind of knocked out and incapacitated and you're not making sense. And I never really had that experience, Freedom. Right? Um, looking back in hindsight, I can definitely recognize now that I wasn't performing at the level that I could have been, and it, I was definitely fooling myself, especially at the end. So, um, yeah, so what happened made you decide that, you know, you had to quit? <laughs>
3: Yeah. yeah. So, so, I've had a couple of attempts in the last year and a half. Obviously, the most recent is, you know, 44 days ago, uh, you know, hiding, the, hiding money, the money, you know, having the family that I described and mm-hmm. having a wife that manages the finances, you know, that, that got hard to find cash or to yeah make gas station, gas station withdrawals, you know, all the things that I've heard people do. I did all those things. Um, and then, you know, like we just talked about, the downfall started to come, you know, the the performance would wane, the social um uh, you know because it gives you that sociability you know where i just want to be talking to people which again, is perfect for sales that started to wane you know and i do mm-hmm. that a lot too right i wanted to to isolate more and my wife, my wife has been through a journey with me so she knows the signs you know and at first because it doesn't have the nodding and slurred speech and the physical signs although he was able to eventually see like the pin the pin dies you know she, okay yeah she would see that in me uh I would try to cover up the smell on the breath. Cause it obviously has a pretty terrible smell, but she started stuff with me. Right. Especially mm-hmm. the that I used, it was, and I figured out when I was quitting it, took, she smelled it on me for like three or four weeks, uh, you know, coming out of my system. So yeah. of course, if I'm in active addiction, using it every day. So anyways, those things kind of got, um, found out, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, and I knew, I knew in the back of my head, like we talked about with recovery in my background, I knew that, um, where it was taking me was not going to be to a good place. So I tried tried to quit and it was cold Turkey, you know, we'll say somewhere around a year ago or a year Mm and change ago. And it was terrible. Yeah, Yeah. it was, it was absolutely terrible. It was extreme sweats, uh, you know, all the bathroom stuff that we don't have to talk about. And, uh, I just remember like the lake issues, the restless lake and getting up seemingly multiple times during the night because I couldn't regulate my body temperature and I was sweating my wife out of the bed, and I would go in in the fetal position in the shower uh, just, to, just warm to warm up, up and mm-hmm. to get dry, you know, because I'm just miserable in my sweat in the bed and I'm freezing, and then I'm hot and then I'm freezing. And I remember going through that for days, uh, and then you know eventually kind of coming out of it a little bit, and didn't really jump back in recovery. I maybe went to a couple of meetings. I know how to do that. I've been to you know thousands of a meetings work the steps and stuff, but mm-hmm. I kind of just put my toe in the water. And and honestly, at some time, I probably wasn't willing to admit that Kratom was on the same scale as some of the other stuff that I'd gone to those meetings for. Yeah. I told myself that for probably two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it led, it led a to a period of abstinence. I wouldn't even call it recovery. Uh, and then eventually uh, a use again about six months ago where it just went back to the same Exact place. We'd actually just moved to our dream house. We have a property out in the country now. We have a farm here, and oh wow, that's uh, awesome! We bought a business to add on to the business that we already had, and I fell back into addiction at the same time. So it was, it was, it was awesome. awesome. I didn't enjoy any of it because I was doing that and yeah. you know being dishonest and all those things, and then the fear starts coming in about how much there is to lose now, you know, and that's something that been talking about meetings recently, you know, the promises that are talked about. What's not talked about is you can get the promises and the stakes go up. You know, you have more to lose now than maybe when I walked in the doors 12 years ago, you know, to meetings and stuff like that. With all the kids that I support and my business and in our house now. So that was in May. May. Didn't last last long. long. I realized real quick, like I cannot go into this. So I think after a month in early June, Tried to, get, tried to get a little more serious, had to go through a little bit of the withdrawals, but it only been a month of use. Right. right. So mm-hmm. it was bad. Okay. And we went on a Not camping a camp trip. trip and I was like 15, 16 days sober. It's a 10 day camping trip we do every year in Northern Minnesota and went into that trip on fire, got to a bunch of meetings. had have been talking to, you know, strong people in recovery. And then we were in a remote place for 10 days and I made what I do, most in, like good excuses. You know, there's no meetings around here. We're in Remote Minnesota, there's no service. I'm with my family. And on the last day that we were there, I got in a fight with my wife, drove to the a big city about thirty minutes away, and freedom became a thought. I saw it at a, a head shop in that Grand Rapids, Minnesota. And I said, I'll just do it once. The, the greatest lie an addict will ever tell themselves. Yep. And uh, so that was mid to late June, the end of our camping trip, and that started me on a journey until September twenty fifth. Uh, and that, and this that time, time it, went it went to the highest place of, you know, more bottles, bottles a day than ever. You know, the lying and the, all of that was just huge because uh, I was protecting it, you know. And, uh, and then the withdrawals were just horrible, as everybody has said. And the sweats lasted seemingly 25 days. I mean, it was just insane. My wife was so sick of changing the sheets and I did try to help change the sheets too, obviously. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of... Brings you up to speed with, I guess, the last year left. and a half and the bouncing around trying to get over it to where I'm at today. Yeah,
2: there's a there's a lot there. And I think for, for the listeners, the, the main things to, that I would take away from this conversation because I have a very similar history and probably a little bit more experience, unfortunately, with Kratom than you do, but it's all the, the same terrible stuff. It always gets worse the more you do it. Nine times out of ten, the worst draws are going to be worse, unless, like you said, you have a kind of a shorter relapse. You're you're going to pick up right where you left off. There's no there's no like dipping your toe back in, and you're just going to be able to, you know, try something once or use on the weekend or something. It never happens. I've never met one person that, that that's worked for. It, just, it doesn't. Sorry, <laughs> you've you've crossed that line, <laughs> and you there's not an uncrossing in it that that I'm aware of. And the other thing is that you know, the, the more it just gets harder every time to, to do it. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, you get to a point where you're just like, I just can't do this again. Like I, um I probably, I don't, I can't tell you how many times I relapsed. Cause like you, the timeline's fuzzy, but it was probably like 10 times. And I remember the last time I was in a similar position. I was like 18 or 19 days out. And I was like, still can't sleep. And, you know, my body temperature's all over the place. I had this depression and like suicidal ideation and i never had that before and it scared the living hell out of me and then that was at the point where i relapsed for the last time and then after that i went and got help but i was like i just you know it'll take you to a really dark place if you let it i guess is is where i'm going with with this long long long-winded response to to your response to my question
3: (laughs) no that's that's all super important stuff to be said and i think it needs to be said and you know just to clear up my shorter relapse in the middle was only because I got found out, you know, I, I, uh, I got okay. found out and thank God that I have a wife and kids. You know, I, I think about that often. I think those things were placed into my life for a reason because they have been enough of a guardrail at times. Not that they're the reason, they can never be the reason yeah. I'm not saying that, but they were a guardrail, you know, because I didn't want to lose them and I didn't want to lose my wife and I had a young baby and this new house and all those things. So uh, I will hide till the till I'm completely exposed, and then I will do if I'm not wanting to get right. I will do enough to get the monkey off my back. And yeah, um, looking back, that's probably what I was doing in June. Even though I went, you know, like I said, I I went to a bunch of meetings before we went camping and stuff. But anybody that knows recovery knows, you know, 15 days is not much, and to go 10 days without anything for me, you know, is going to be trouble. And when you know on the last day, it was so, yeah.
2: Yeah, you had a lot of strong motivating motivating factors to to help you get back on 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 the right path for recovery but like you said, you know, you, if you don't want it, there's really nothing that that can 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 ultimately force you to do it. So, you mentioned you went cold turkey. Uh, anything that you did to to help or or took to help with the withdrawal. Sound like maybe the shower was helpful. That was super helpful for me. Nice hot shower or hot bath.
3: Yeah, I did a lot of those Epsom salt baths. I did You see the sauna a little bit behind me here. I I did the sauna a lot just to like try to force sweat out. I did magnesium. I think just like some ibuprofen at times. Um, Turmeric, I believe, is something that my wife believes in. I tried some of that. Okay. Um, Just like a natural pain reliever from what I understand. Um, And honestly, honestly, the rest was just kind of gutting it out. And uh, once I got through the first, I would say 36 to 48 hours where I really couldn't focus on much anything except for just getting through it. I found this podcast and I started listening to the episodes and that helped. Uh, because I it was so relatable, you know, and um I really hadn't heard a lot of people talk about the downsides of, of Kratom. You know, I knew they had to be out there. I would say to my wife and I would say to some people I would talk to and most people I would talk to, even in the recovery community, didn't know anything about it. And I would say this is gonna get out at some point. It's just I'm an addict, I know what I felt like when I put that in me and when other addicts start Start doing the same which was happening, happening, right? And if you do enough research you see that I just hadn't done enough at that point, you know, so I did feel a little bit isolated with it so that podcast helped and really for me I just had to kind of gut it through the first and I think I kept kept reading 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 all the different Google listings about the timeline of withdrawals and Hmm. everything I I was was seeing was saying it peaks at 72 to 96 hours I think so I just kind of had my I eyes on that, the, and I'd gone I got through it obviously a couple times before, Yeah. and I kind of yeah. did know that somewhere in that range. Don't get me wrong; it was still bad for a while, but I knew that it it got a little better each day there. So I just really focused on getting to day three or four. I mean, I was literally watching; I knew exactly how many hours it had been those first five to seven days. Uh, so.
2: Yeah, every withdrawal cycle I've been through from this or other substances did kind of the same thing you try to like live in the moment as much as you can and know everything's temporary but at the same time you're or you're always like watching that clock in the back of your mind just hoping you can get get the hours to tick away to a point where you can start to, to turn that corner and yeah i think um like four or five years ago when i first saw create around i i never you know i didn't really hear anything negative about it or really see anything about it but now it's like every day there's another article that we find of like a, a local News media outlet across North America picking it up and, and and highlighting like dangers or or you know the fact that it's starting to become a problem in their area. Our podcast is growing in a Facebook group that's kind of devoted to putting kratom, and as a, as a moderator, I get like several requests a day, and it's not even like one of the big ones. So I think it, there's there's a huge portion of the, the population that has found themselves trying the substance and didn't really. Probably like us, understand what they were getting into at first, and they're gonna have to get themselves out of it at some point. And hopefully, we can we can be there to help them. I have a sidebar question. Um, just because I'm curious, so you have a sauna, and I traveled to the Nordic countries for vacation this summer because I didn't really go anywhere when I was in active addiction. I was like, a yeah, shower. we
3: want to talk about that.
2: Yeah, so sauna is really big there, and I know you know being in in Minnesota and that part of the country is that common, like since. Do the same as your like Nordic uh, brothers and sisters uh, across you know, the, I hadn't the ocean? Of,
3: I hadn't thought about it in that way. I'm sure there are people I've seen like outdoor, like the barrel sauna yeah. and things like that. You know, no, not to not keep going back to the athlete fitness thing, but that's really where it started for me was. Okay. Um, and I'm getting yeah, I'm older getting, now. You know, I'm almost 40. So I'll to get on get the on treadmill the or things like that. And it is. Yeah, I am, I'm a freeze baby. So it is nice to get in there. The rest of my family likes to keep the house co- cooler than I would like. Sometimes. I see. But for the most part, it's for fitness, uh, you know, you know health, health, I guess, and just health. health. But, but definitely, definitely I used yeah. the crap out of it when I was uh, withdrawing, oh. you know, because I just I bet. You know, yeah, that would be awesome. So, like I'm sweating, I'm sweating, sweating a lot, lot anyways. I might as well just might. help expedite the process. You know, I figured the more I can sweat and get this stuff out of me, the better. So cool. Sorry, I had to satisfy my curiosity. Back to no. School. Yes. I hadn't Bang. thought about it like that, but I'm sure there's a lot of Minnesotans that, ha- Minnesotans that have it for that reason, too, I specifically. I would suspect that's the case. All right. So how
2: did your first month go now that you've got 44 days behind you? What was, what was that experience like? Yeah,
3: you okay. know, better, better than, than expected. expected. You know, the first week was rough, as I just described. Um, I, I'm so grateful I had people around me in the recovery community and people a lot smarter than me that I look up to. And I probably probably heard this before coming off of relapses, but I really received it and accepted it this time that, you know, I might have have at that time that I heard this eight days or whatever it was. But all all the work that I've done in the past in the meetings and with the 12 steps and things like that is not lost. And that's really something, you know, insecurity is obviously a big part of why I've used. So it's really easy to fall back into that and be. You know, I you know, romanticize the fact if if I had been sober since the first time I went to Hazelden and came into AA, I would have 12 years now. I've really just let that go now. And and I really I believe, believe that, that I have done significant work and there's there's work to do and redo as a result of, of relapse, of course, and inventory to take and things like that. But uh, certainly being on day eight as somebody that's never experienced any recovery versus the experience I have can look different. And I kind of just, I rode with that and I got back to meetings as soon as I felt well enough to, to go to them. And I started 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 starting online online, meetings on days where I couldn't make a physical meeting, you know, and realized that there's really no excuse. This is just my journey, right? There's really no excuse to not go to a meeting when they're everywhere all the time online, even if you can't physically make one. So So I just started building building that that into kind of a calendar doing something recovery meeting related. They're not, all, you know, there's mm-hmm. some other like, like dopey has some meetings and different things that I've done. Yeah. I go to smart recovery myself. Yeah, works well for me. Smart recovery. I think I've heard you talk about that. So I'm kind of a mixture. There's a Christian recovery group I go to once a week. So it's a, it's a really a mixture and I found that that's worked well for me, you know, kind of having, yeah. having a blend. Yeah. It's going to the same thing, you know, have, having a higher power help me, Overcome this thing. So, okay, yeah, that was that was the next question I was going to ask you. It sounds like you got
2: a lot of support through twelve step groups and various group. Any other supports you want to highlight or or that you're you're finding helping you stay abstinent from kratom and
3: other drugs? Yeah, yeah. I've always, when I look back, my history of recovery, you know, working the steps twice with the sponsor, Uh um, and then really my story. I think it's it's a common one if you listen out there, you know. Getting, getting some solid some recovery and having some promises come true and then stopping doing the work, you know? And that's been my experience, you know, like not all, not all, it's, cause it's insidious and it's smart, you know, it's like, like, well, five, five weeks is working. So let's try four because, and usually it's good excuses for me. Like yeah. I've got to coach my kids or I'm going to help my wife tonight. Or, you know, sometimes I want to watch the ball game or whatever. And then slowly I let it seep down to not much recovery at all. And that's a dangerous place for me. So Uh, yeah, I guess I I don't know where I was going with that exactly, but, um, you know, that's kind of been my story with it. So realize like having a blend of it kind of keeps it fresh for me and, uh, and, and a variety is, has been helpful at least so far on this, this journey. Yeah.
2: I think, um, you know, what you said about that being, you know, a super common progression of like getting into recovery, getting into a good place not focusing on it enough and then finding yourself back in addiction like that happened to me that's 100% why I ended up taking Kratom in the first place I was sober from from alcohol and everything else and I was doing really well and you know had a bunch of time under my belt and I just you know slowly but it it was it was like you said it wasn't like even like I was just like well I'm not going to go to any meetings it was like well I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go to two instead of three and then you know I'm not gonna I'm gonna stop by and I like to read and there's a lot of really good literature books out there on like basically any drug of choice. Maybe there might not be one on Kratom yet, but there will be. But basically you can feel like reading. There's a lot of recovery books and I just, I stopped doing that. So that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm doing this. I'm trying to do various different activities to kind of not only help out others, but, you know, more or less keep my myself on track. The other thing that I really think that that you said that I think if, if I was listening you know, to the podcast I'd hone in on it's the having various things, a wise person that has much, much more sober time than I do told me that, you know, there's, there's things about every single specific recovery program that you're not going to like. So like, if you hate AA, I guarantee you, there's probably one thing that you could take away from it. If you just are open to listening to all of it and taking what works for you and leaving what doesn't. So, and I think you're uh, you're also really humble, which can tell like people that have, been through a, a bit of a rocky road like that because I, I felt the same way like you know why when I was first trying to seriously quit alcohol it was like why me you know why do I have to quit drinking why did this have to happen to me and then you know once I I did that and then I found myself struggling again with a different substance it's like well I already did this <laughs> why do I have to do it yeah. again you know and yeah. it wasn't like okay well just doesn't doesn't matter why you have to do it and, you don't like and you can keep struggling but you know looking at being humble about it I think is is important
3: yeah you said something That's I meant to say when you initially asked me the question you know being servants heart you know and and what you're doing with this podcast is your version of that you know and I'm sure you're doing other stuff too and uh, I, I I tried I to sponsor people years ago when I went through the steps and they went, they went back, back out, out which is kind of, kind of what stuff. happens I mean how many times have I done that to sponsors I took it personally or, or made an excuse and, and kind of stopped making an effort to be available. And so, so I have not know if I was honest, that that's one of the missing components is giving back what was so freely given to me. So, um, what I've what done I've in the last month, month is part of part one of the recovery groups I'm in. We had a guy, guy relapsed and he ended up in the hospital with a point three three and oh. he was still upright, which was amazing. But we took turns that night, uh, you know, going to the hospital and making sure that, cause he didn't have any family there, you know, he was estranged from all his family. Uh, and when I left the hospital that night, exhausted and driving back to my farm, I've never felt so grateful for whatever I had at that time, maybe 30, that was like a week and a half ago, 32 days. Yeah. Um, and those, those are the type of things. And I've, I've done some of that before, like taking meetings of detox, but it's been many years and, uh, th- that stuff, stuff is so, so important, worse. you know, that's what the podcast is too, right? We listen to these stories and it's, it's uplifting and we can relate uh, getting, getting it down zero like that with somebody that's, you know, in the hospital with a 0. 0.33 and they're going to be taken in the middle of the night to a detox and they don't know if yeah. gonna have their job on Monday. For me, it was extremely powerful and I'm really glad.
2: How's your life today, Kratom Free?
3: Yeah, my, my, my life is in an amazing place right now. You know, 44 days sober and waking up with a disciplined routine. Uh, for me, it's got to start right away in the morning. You know, getting close to God, you know, I, I do some prayers, you know, some prayers from AA, some prayers just for myself. And then I do some readings. Like you talked about different recovery books, kind of keep it fresh. Sometimes I'll listen to, to videos or things like that in the morning, but I just really try to start my day, do some meditation. I'm not good at that at all. Very busy mind. Um, but I just really try to try that, um, every single day before I do anything else. And so for me, that means waking up early in the morning cause I got a busy household. Uh, yeah, a business to run. And uh, that's a discipline. I'm not really a morning person by nature, but I realized how important it was for me to start my day that way. So I've so kind of I've made, made myself, myself into a morning person, uh, which is crazy because I never thought I would be. But I also have a lot of gratitude to, to be healthy and alive because like you said, if you've gone through a few of those episodes and those withdrawals, I never I want to go back to that. Uh, not the first few days and not what it was like even after a couple of weeks, you know, in the... yeah the pause or whatever they call it, right? And the sweating and the all of it. So Yeah, no thanks. Me me either. I don't ever want to do that again either.
2: <laughs> all right. Lighter a little bit of a lighter question. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you travel to and why?
3: That would absolutely be back somewhere in Mexico with my wife. We had a couple okay. of years in a row where uh, we had some trips. The kids were with grandparents and we were able to go to Mexico for a week to ten days. Which for us is very rare. Obviously, having a big family, yeah. Uh, COVID, COVID happened, happened, and you know, obviously, obviously that put happened. travel on pause. And now my wife's been pregnant, you know, for a couple of years, running here with these these little, little, little guys. Little guys exactly. yeah. uh, so, so at, some, at some, point some point in the future, we'll get back to that. I don't know when that will be. Obviously, we got to get these little guys uh, probably a couple of years in and things like that. But that would that would be definitely where I would where I would want to go again. Awesome. Yeah, I, I should take a I've been
2: taking a tropical vacation in a very long time. Maybe that'll be. I'll put that on like my put that on my list soon. All right. Um. So, what is your best advice for someone
3: getting ready to quit kratom? It's a great question. Uh-huh. To prepare yourself for the mental side of it, you know that and everyone's quits probably going to look a little different, right? If it's cold turkey or or tapering back, which I really just learned about from well, listening to the podcast you know i have no formal education or, or research on that and i have, and no, I have no opinion plan. on how somebody does it for me i knew that it was going to need to be cold turkey just knowing myself <laughs> the tapering would not work you know if i was just being honest with myself yeah. um uh, and so preparing so, myself, preparing myself for, for what was going to be a tough, tough few days, days you know especially in the beginning and tough is an understatement and then yeah. i would i would i would say yeah, to I myself so. are you, Really wanting to be done, or you just wanting to take a break? Because if you're doing to take a break, man, you're going to go through hell, and then you're going to go through hell again the next time that you you take a break. Easier said than done, right? If you could all plan that out in that way, it would be ideal. But I would also say, if you don't have recovery history, to maybe make a plan about you know when you feel well enough on the other side of this. What you're going to do at least that's my experience is it's going to take some some recovery and that can maybe look different for everybody but i think that's going to be really important once you get on the other side of feeling a little better
2: yeah all all of those are those are really good pieces of advice the mental part I, I really loved because i think the physical part gets all the attention but i will will i would actually take the physical hell of kratom withdrawal over the mental with hell and, and mental hell any day of the week because I don't know. There's just something about the mental part of of coming off of it that's its own special version of of hell.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It's the the sky is falling and it's, it's, it's this dark, this impending darkness of, um, things aren't going to work out. Yeah. This is kind of what I, you know, and that is just permeated into me for that 72 hour period. And I don't mean to scare anybody, but that was just a very real thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. right. The The physical physical part sucks, but it's, the the mental must be really bad if we're both saying that that's the part <laughs> that we're thinking of right now,
2: yeah and and listeners, like if you're if you're just gearing up for this and we're scaring you off from doing it, like it's you can you can totally do it. There's probably hundreds of thousands of people that have done it at this point, and it won't kill you. It'll suck for a while, but but you can you can get through it, and if you need help, there's help out there, so don't be afraid to to ask,
3: yeah, and I'm yeah, glad you I, said that because I remember laying in bed with a day or two days or three days and listening to this podcast and hearing people talk about it. And you can do this thing where you, you hear, you hear where they're where at they're now, now and you hear them, you hear them talk, talk about them. where they were at. And it just can, at least for me, it can seem so far away and so impossible. And I just want to be where they're at. Um, there is, there is no way of no walking off. through the fire, you know, and, and it is possible. It's a hundred percent possible. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful that I was here cause I was one of those I was laying in that bed listening to this podcast and uh, maybe with maybe a slight claim that someday I would tell a story, you know, that might help somebody else, you know? And so certainly lots of work to do and it's really not, really not lots, lots of work to do. It's one day of work at a time is what I condense it down to. And I can ha- handle that. So,
2: yeah, me too. I, um, that's, that, that was the thing that the not with Kratom, but with probably alcohol that really stuck with me and is, is continuing to stick with me. Just don't think about next year, or the rest of your life, you know, three years, four years, two months, all you just, all you have to do is get through today. And if that's even too daunting, all you have to do is literally get through the next couple minutes and then get through the next couple minutes. Just, just take it at whatever chunk sounds like you can do it, whether that's, even if that's only 30 seconds, like just, just break it down into something that sounds manageable or that your mind can, can think is manageable. Absolutely. All right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up today?
3: Yeah, I think I I just just doubled down down on, on, you know, having 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 a plan plan when you come through the other side of it, you know, and if it's not meetings right away, it's talking to people because when you start to feel a little human again, even if you still don't feel great, I just just remember what a relief that was because when I'm using, I don't don't really feel human. I don't really feel connection to anybody that's real and authentic. And I remember the relief I had, even though I wasn't feeling well physically and there was still some of that doomsday. When I started having some authenticity to conversations again, that was helpful for me, you know, even just a couple of days. In, and then obviously, as I started to feel a little bit more comfortable in my own skin and a little better physically, I craved that more, you know, and it's amazing how much connectivity I have in my life now compared to 44 days ago. I mean, it's. As I'm thinking about it right now, it's you know all the all the places I'm coaching and where I'm doing business and my family and the engagement I have compared to the complete isolation that I was living in. Uh, I think we're wired, we're wired to, be to be connected, you know, and this disease really takes us away from that. So,
2: yeah, human beings are a social species. Uh, we wouldn't have built civilization like we have without cooperation and interaction with each other. So, I think you're you're definitely right. And yeah, using freedom or really any drug eventually takes you usually to a place of isolation. And uh, yeah, definitely have a plan for when you're through the acutes. I would say, if you don't even know what to do and you think you have a problem and you think you wanna get, try to uh, get off, you know, just just make a plan, you know, taper. I make a plan to, to go cold turkey or, or a plan to go get help, make a plan and, and execute it. And if you don't succeed, don't get discouraged. Took me quite a few times. Just, you know, keep trying at it and because once you make that decision, there's usually not a going back. Like you will do it eventually. It's just a matter of time. All right. Well, with that, thank you so much for joining us today, Zach. And I hope you have a good evening.
3: Thanks, Jacob. You too.
2: Kratom in the Headlines. Hi everybody, it's Jacob and this week on Kratom in the Headlines we have an article from a publication called naturalproductinsider.com and the article is entitled Law Firm Who Won Millions in Kratom Cases Raises Doubts About Fed Bill. So this article is in response to the Federal Kratom Consumer Protection Act, otherwise known as the KCPA. This was introduced in October by both a Democratic and Republican center. So Democrat Cory Booker of New Jersey and Republican Mike Lee of Utah, I believe, and essentially is targeted to essentially focus on products that the Food and Drug Administration considers to be adulterated, unlawful. It's really, in, in my opinion and the opinion of, of Charlie, it's really... Like an industry kind of give to the industry, right? It's like self-regulation by an industry, which is never a good thing. But at a glance, if you're not familiar with the legislation, essentially it would protect the industry, not consumers, according to this law firm that has led some wrongful death cases with regard to Kratom. It essentially promotes Americans access to Kratom and supports research of the botanical, which I would support research, maybe not promotion of, of more access and Because I think we need less access, not more. But essentially this law firm that has sued Kratom brands argues that the bill does nothing to protect consumers and instead shields companies that make and sell a substance blamed for human deaths in a growing number of lawsuits across the country. So basically it almost defangs the FDA, in my opinion, by essentially classifying Kratom as a, as a food. It also protects Kratom from future administrative actions which is you know like things like regulation and stuff like that that could actually be good for consumers and it also suggests kratom is safe and that pure kratom is is quote safe and that the problem is adulterated products or you know something like that which which isn't Isn't true based on many things that we've shared with you and that I I assume a lot of you have read yourself. So really this article kind of sheds light on the fact that the AKA is, is trying to get legislation like this passed at the federal level as well as at the state level. And they've been successful in, in a number of states. And, and really it's nothing more than an act that protects the Kratom industry and shields them from accountability for when bad things happen to consumers of their product. I don't personally believe that Kratom should be illegal, but I also don't believe that the lies that are continued to be perpetuated and taken as truth. And essentially, a lot of what is within the Kratom Protection Act does just that. So it's a very interesting article. We'll link it in the show notes, but I would go ahead and give it a read. A little while back, Charlie also wrote an article with a lot of really good points. If you're interested in that, take a read. It's on our website, and we can also provide a link to that in the show notes. Thanks, and keep it and free.
1: Resource of the Week. Today, we're going to look at an article from the Wall Street Journal. It's entitled, Cannabis that people are using for anxiety is probably making it worse. The subtitle is, Anxious customers are looking for help and pot companies have promoted their products as an answer. This is a pay-for-view article to read. It does look like you can listen to it for free. They have a $1 cyber special right now, which might be worth it to be able to read the over 700 responses. The commentary in the discussion forum is very similar to what we see around Kratom. There's people that say that pot is a godsend. It's plant medicine. It relieves their anxiety. There's other people that say it makes it worse. And you can imagine <laughs> the, the sort of the tension there. Let me quote from the article for you. Cannabis companies have promoted their products as helpful for anxiety, making for a potentially lucrative market. Anxious customers have turned to weed and edibles for relief as treatments for their problems have become harder to find. The number of available and affordable therapists badly lags demand and traditional medications don't work for everybody. Driving both users' and businesses' hopes is a belief that pot can make us less anxious. Yet little independent scientific evidence shows that cannabis is an effective treatment for anxiety problems, and some studies have found it can worsen symptoms. Researchers say this is particularly true for products high in THC, the substance responsible for marijuana's intoxicating effects. You know, the focus of this podcast is getting and staying off kratom. I know some people find using marijuana is helpful for that. Some of us who are poly substance abuse addicts lean more into the all abstinence uh, way of doing things. In this podcast, we have room for both paths or maybe somewhere in between. The only thing I'll say I think marijuana is relatively safer than Kratom or booze and drugs, especially if you stay off the roads or don't operate heavy machinery, you'll be relatively okay. But I know some people when they smoke pot it lowers the inhibitions and it can set off like cravings and get them into trouble. You need to make your own choice. You know, I know I go to some AA meetings where they frown upon drinking non-alcoholic beers or mocktails, because that can be a slippery slope. But there's other people who drinking a Heineken Zero is fun on a picnic on a hot day. So you got to just make your own choices about the ways you reduce harm. Today, we're going to do something a little special. I am want to play an audience recording of a Billy Strings song that he did last month, a live concert, and it's called California Sober. Till next time, keep it Kratom free.
4: I have always seen double and the lines were well, getting twice as hard to see. I'd had years out on the call, but I'm told I had a baldly somebody there who looked alive like me. Well, I'm California sober as they say. Maybe the I can find no way. I can't stay out to party like I did back in the day. So I'm California sober as they say. no time flat, you're out of what you need The old crew don't get together anymore these days, my children And some straight to some went straight, straight to death. Now they're busy coasting things Just trying to raise your kids And I'm raising holy, hanging coasting them. Oh, I'm California's sober, as they say Maybe I can't find no other way at the party like I did back in the day. So I'm California sober, as they say. Oh yeah.